The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is DNC Chair Jamie Harrison. And he's here to discuss the upcoming and very important midterm elections. Thank you so much for being here. It's great to have you back. Good morning, Zerlina. How are you? I'm doing well. You know what I mean? I, I, I feel like we're in the middle of the week. It's a pretty good week. It's going quickly which is good. <laughs> Sometimes you have to focus on just the small wins. Um, speaking of wins, uh, I, I want to talk about uh, the top line message the Democrats are going to utilize to attempt to bring in a lot of wins um, in the midterm elections. So what is it? What is, what is the top line message in this particular moment where there are a lot of big issues on the line? Well, you know, Zerlina, I'm going all over the country these last few weeks and, and months. And, uh, you know, just in Chicago, we'll be in Ohio. Um, uh, it was in Nevada and Arizona. And so uh, we got this big bus tour at the end of the, of the month. So my message is, is a simple one, that on the positive side, the Democrats made promises in the 2020 election. And guess what? We have kept those promises, promises made, promises kept. And you take a look from the American Rescue Plan to the infrastructure law uh, to reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act, the number of black judges we have on the courts, the uh, number of women we have put on the courts, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, tackling health care and environmental policy. The president, the vice president, Democrats in the House and Senate made some promises and they have kept those promises and the ones that we have yet to keep are the ones that we are working on. And if we get two more uh, votes in the United States Senate, we keep the House majority. Uh, in the very first few months, we will continue to work on that. Now, the contrast is, Zerlina, we have a, a party, that, uh, the Republican Party. It is a party that is built off of fraud and fear. They want to control the American people and eliminate our freedoms. Uh, but the Democratic Party, we are just want people to live their American dreams. And so uh, I'm proud of what we've done and what we've accomplished and what we will continue to do and accomplish when we keep our majorities in the House and the Senate. Promises, promise. There's a lot. There were a lot of promises listed there. Um, and I think that in, in some ways, because there's so much going on, right, we've been living through the past couple of years in the global pandemic. All, all of us have, are living through a pandemic for the first time. Um, so it, it, it's obviously a tenuous situation. You have um, a war all year um, going on in Ukraine. Um, you see the word nuclear in headlines, and it can be really scary to be a regular voter. But I, it's, it's so important that you listed out even, a, even accomplishments that some people probably forgot about. Um, like the American Rescue Plan, because we wouldn't even be here um, with the economy that we have today, but for some of the things that were included in that initial um, package. When you when you think about 
the contrast, as you said. I asked this question of Mandela Barnes as well, who we just had on, Lieutenant Governor from Wisconsin, who's running for the Senate out in, in Wisconsin. Do you see the upcoming midterms as a fight between democracy and authoritarianism or or even fascism, um, as uh, the president um, recently referenced to sort of like semi fascism? But I think, you know, in this moment, it feels like it's a fight over issues, but also about something bigger, perhaps. Yeah. And and it's, you know, underlining all of that is extremism. Again, this is a choice election, and all elections are, but this one in particular, the the line is clear between the two parties. One is for freedom. One is for extremism, the restriction of freedoms and and rights in this country. Um, The Republican Party wants to make it harder for people to vote, and they are undermining our democracy in every aspect. Uh, They want to take away for the first time in 50 years, the first time in my lifetime, instead of America uh, awarding more rights and freedoms to people, we are actually restricting those rights and freedoms. We saw it in the Dobbs decision, and they are not done. See, the Republican Party is also making promises, Serlina, and we damn well better understand that they're going to try to keep their promises. They made a promise 50 years ago that they were going to get rid of Roe. And they have chipped away at it and chipped away at it and chipped away at it. So we got to understand that, yes, they're going to make promises too, but these promises take us back instead of moving us forward. They want to, you know, they've talked about cutting Social Security and Medicare. This is the safety net for many of our seniors. You know, putting that on the chopping block every five years, I think about what would happen to people like my grandma, right? All she has, you know, she doesn't have a big 401k, doesn't have a pension plan. But she's paid into her Social Security and Medicare year in and year out. And now she is relying on that for her livelihood. So think about that going away. Think about them trying to repeal uh, some of the measures that we've just passed in terms of making it easier for folks in terms of prescription drugs. Going back on the commitment to fighting the climate crisis. Uh, This is a party that the the Republican Party is extreme and all they want to do is control. It's not about, and it really isn't about policy for them. It's about power and control. Uh, And we just can't allow them to have it. We can't allow them to do it. We can't allow them to take us back. And so uh, I I hope folks see the big picture here because there's a lot at stake. Oh, yes, there is definitely a lot at stake. Now, I want to talk sort of on the ground um, level. Um, You mentioned that you know, the state, what's at stake and that you're, you're doing a bus tour at the end of the month. Um, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes also um, on a, on a bus tour. Um, That to me as a former field organizer means on the ground, talking to voters directly, (laughs) directly to voters, making those contacts, trying to make sure people are registered, making sure that they know how to vote. Um, When you think about the strategy going in, and I want to be clear, the DNC um, is an organization, and you clarified this recently because people, I think, are maybe confused in this moment as to, like, what the DNC actually does. So the DNC is responsible for funding state parties. <laughs> um, so they're yes. the ones that are, like, given the money to the coordinated campaigns and the state parties that are then hiring the field organizers and working with the Senate campaigns. Because the coordinated campaign is, like, you know, you have the Senate campaign and the congressional campaign and the presidential campaign governor's races that governor's races all in the same office everybody's in the same office 
handing out the same lit. You just hand everybody a full stack of the. <laughs> no, this is true. You just hand every. It's like a stack of lit. It was like every candidate for for the Democratic ticket up and down the ballot. It's a very, very, very efficient way um, to be a field organizer. But give us a give us an on the ground view of the conversations you're having with voters as you travel around the country. What what's animating them? What what is getting yeah. them fired up and how are you going to translate that through organizing into turning out that base vote of the Democratic Party? Well, thank you for that, Zulina. The other thing I would say on the top line for folks to understand what because I get this all the time. What has the DNC done? Mm-hmm. So what we try to do is instead of waiting until the last minute, very early on, we started making investments in the state's particularly the states that we knew were going to be the battleground states to determine the majorities of the House and the Senate, where we could pick up governor's mansions, uh, flip them, or we needed to protect them. So we, in 2018, the DNC put $30 million on the ground. We have already spent $70 plus million on the ground thus far in this election cycle. So more than double uh, what was done in 2018, because I believe fundamentally that, you know, you can't just win elections off of TV ads. You have to have ground game. You have to have organizing. You have to have people knocking on doors. Part of the reason why we lost some seats in the House in 2020 is because COVID prevented us from doing that touch-to-touch, personal touch with uh, folks on the ground. And I believe, but for that, we would have had bigger majorities in both the House and the Senate. Now, saying all of that, On the ground, and I'm going and I'm talking to organizers and I'm I'm talking to voters, uh, every state is a little different. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that people have to understand, they often say, well, what's the national message? There should not be a national, national message. The people on the ground in those communities know what resonates with them. So in some communities right now, the top issue is abortion, the, the taking away of freedom. And so the candidates and the, the organizers are talking about that. In other places, it's about the environmental issues uh, or, or the education issues. So we understand that all politics are local. And what we are trying to do is not to take a top-down approach from D.C. telling people in Michigan or telling people in Wisconsin or, or telling people in Georgia what they need to talk about, but uh, giving them the, the tools and the information to be able to talk about whatever they need to talk about because they understand what is the pulse of the people and the communities that they represent. Uh, and that's, that's something that folks really have to understand. You want that hyper-local uh, messaging. You, and you've you got to have a mechanism to deliver that. So it's knocking on doors, making phone calls, sending out text messages, uh, doing specific targeted digital ads, doing radio spots, sending out mail. All of that's happening right now in our coordinated campaigns, but we are working with the states and the candidates to make sure that their message is one that resonates for their constituents and not a message that's just been poll tested in Washington, D.C. I love that you said that the investments have gone into actual infrastructure on the ground as opposed to television ads, because my biggest beef with just the political class, if you will, you know, the consultant class, um, is that they overestimate the impact of television advertisements um, 
yes. versus actual human organizers or even somebody who can send text messages or mailers, like you said, to an actual voter. I am telling you, as a former field organizer, it's my first job in politics. It is the most important job I've had in politics. The more fancy job, jobs I've had where I was coming up with messages in the communication shop. I do not feel like I had a bigger impact in that role than I did when I was walking around Virginia in July, up and down hills, sweating my butt off um, for, for President Obama. Like, I know that the, <laughs> I, I changed people's minds. I saw their minds yep. change. I know they voted. Um, and so I think that, you know, as an organizer, I'm always going back and emphasizing that, that is, that's where you that's how you win elections. You don't win elections because of a TV ad. Nobody watches commercials. OK, we're going to. Um, well, well <laughs> it, it certainly if I could just say one point on Go that. And, and that is the thing that people have to understand. You know, back last year, people were like, oh, you need to put TV ads up. They don't understand the most valuable thing that you can do is build a ground operation and have people actually touch folks. People don't remember the ads from the Super Bowl. So why the hell are we going to spend <laughs> all of those millions of dollars, right? On ads last year to mm -hmm. talk to folks when they when they tune out. You it, but if you have an organizer, you can use that money for an organizer for a whole year. Yep. And I can tell you tremendous amplicate amplification in terms of their impact. So we got to make sure we're focused on the ground. There, there are people who do TV ads, but the DNC is going to always focus on that ground infrastructure because it's crucial. It is super, super important. So this is the first election post-2020 where there are new voting restrictions in place in a lot of a lot of different states and some of the more important ones, um, coincidentally, quote unquote. Um, how how it, how are you approaching? I mean, you, you have organizers on the ground talking to voters how how are you approaching the conversations about how to navigate the post 2020 voting restriction world? I mean, it feels to me like every election now is a little different than the one before because of, of some of those changes. And as voter registration deadlines are quickly approaching all around the country in the next couple of weeks here, um, it feels like that is something that any organizer on the ground, that's something they have to keep in mind. Well, Zerlino, also part of our commitment was, and this is outside of the seven million that we have on the ground, was the, the vice president and I went on the campus of Howard University in the mm -hmm. summer of last year, and we announced our voter protection program, an I Will Vote initiative, where we put $25 million on the ground to focus on building the largest voter protection program we've ever had at the DNC. So for over a year, we've had people in some of our battleground states and providing technical advice and assistance to all of our states on building out strong voter protection programs where we're educating voters about the laws and the changes to the laws, where we are hiring attorneys and other folks to organize and recruit more attorneys so that they are ready for election day. That they And we tested it out in many of the primaries that we had. Uh, we we field, fielded from uh, the DNC thousands of calls from places like Texas uh, when they were having their primary because they were having voter, prote uh, voter protection issues. And so uh, I'm proud of the program we, we've run and we've set aside millions of dollars for lawsuits uh, in places like Arizona and Wisconsin and, and uh, Pennsylvania. We've been pushing back against these Republican attempts in the courts uh, to restrict voting in this country. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're going to have folks can go to IWillVote.com. If you have any issues on Election Day, go to IWillVote.com. You'll see our hotline that's on there. Uh, pick up the phone, uh, go on online 
and let us know if you're having any problems. Anybody trying to keep you from voting, restricting your voting, they're telling you you can't and you know you're registered, get in touch with us and we will work with you and we will have lawyers on the ready to make sure that your voice will be heard. And I, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, I don't care. If you're an American that can vote, we want to make sure you vote. Now, I would love for you to vote for the Democrat, of course. But we are a party that understands that our democracy and our freedom is built on uh, the foundation of that is built on top of voting. And that means letting every American vote if they're eligible to do so. And so uh, that's what this party's fighting for. And I feel good that, yeah, the Republicans are going to try all their tricks, but, but we got something for them. We, we're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure every voter gets an opportunity to have their vo- voices heard. I had missed that announcement at Howard University, so I'm glad that I asked that question because um, that is a significant investment in specifically voter protection. Ivovote.com is such a a handy little website, Um, not just, as you said, for um, Election Day help if you need to call a voter protection person, um, you know, in the moment, but also leading into Election Day. I cannot emphasize this enough. Go to Ivovote.com and make sure that your registration is up to date and correct because I have seen it happen before. People are like, I'm registered to vote. And they thought they were registered to vote. And they went to check and something was wrong. Um, and they had to quickly, you know, fill out a new application and update it to correct um, any errors, you know, right before the deadline in their particular state. And deadlines all around the country are all basically this week, next week, <laughs> and the week following, um, unless your state has same-day registration. And early voting begins very soon in many states as well. Um, so so IWillVote.com is where you can make sure everything is correct, which is an important thing to do. Don't, don't just assume because you voted in 2020 that everything is going to be fine unless you double-check it first. So that's a really, really good reminder to do that. Um, tomorrow, uh, Jamie, uh, this week, the January 6th committee hearings are back. Um, my last question is essentially about, um, you know, the thing we were talking about earlier in our conversation, democracy versus authoritarianism. It feels like it's been a long time since we had a January 6th select committee hearing and their presentation throughout the first set of hearings was so powerful, but we might have forgotten it because there's just so much going on. Do you think that, yeah. um, you know, January 6th as an issue going into the midterms um, is something that the committee uh, can work to amplify in the last few weeks here, in addition to the other issues we've been talking about, abortion and others? Yeah, I, we will definitely do so. You know, Chairman Thompson, who has led the committee, has done such a masterful job because he hadn't made it partisan. He's basically allowed Republicans to talk about how the Republican Party, the, from, the, from the RNC to the White House, have been implicit in terms of undermining our democracy in this nation. And that we can never allow something like January 6th to ever happen again. And I think it's important because in the polling, we see that protecting democracy is a big issue for a lot of Americans. They're scared to see what happened, how close we came to overturning a fair, uh, a fair election in this country. I mean, it pushing us to some you know, banana republic. And so we just cannot allow that to happen. And, and we got to let folks know that democracy is on the ballot. Uh, you got deniers, people like Kevin McCarthy and Lindsey Graham. We've heard you know, about what they've done and said to undermine uh, our democracy. They, you know, they, they were all clutching their pearls on January 6th. And then uh, you know, the day after, they got amnesia because they all went down to Mar-a-Lago to, 
to have more of the Trump punch. Uh, it, it's time that we understand that this American democracy shouldn't be built around some individual personality. This is something that is lasting. This is why people come from all over the world uh, to see this country, to be in this country. Uh, but we have to fight to protect it. And so, you know, kudos to Chairman Thompson and the entire uh, committee because they have done the work uh, and they, they have kept their oath of office in protecting America from both threats foreign and domestic. I mean, I, I think often about what happened on the day of January 6th, and I, I often, number one, we're so close to it that I think um, sometimes it's hard for people to wrap their brains around what we saw, and they want to try to forget it, and the Republicans are eager to help us, <laughs> help facilitate that um, forgetfulness. Um, but it was the first time we did not have a peaceful transfer of power, because what happened on January 6th was not peaceful. Um, we did complete the certification. Those senators came out from their undisclosed locations and came back up to the chambers and completed the process. But it was the first time in our history we had um, violence when we were just trying yeah. to certify the election results. And I, I don't want anybody to ever forget that. It was not just another day. It was not just another political fight. It's significant for that reason. And that's why the stakes in this upcoming midterm are so high. DNC chair Jamie Harrison, thank you so much for being here. Thank We'd you, love to Zemarina. have you. I hope that we'll be able to join each other um, in studio soon. Um, we haven't seen each other in a million years because of the pandemic, but we will do that soon. I am sh I'm certain of it. So thank you so much for, for being here this thank morning. It's you. always great to talk to you. Listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.